This is More Than Therapy Podcast. More Than Therapy. This is more than it's therapy. okay for you to have routine checks therapy. with a therapist to make sure Podcast. that you have someone this that you more can talk therapy. to about more how are you feeling. Um, this is we more than have therapy. to overcome so many obstacles. And welcome to another episode of More Than Therapy. Today's special guest, Tony Agnew Rover, a graduate of NC18 and North Carolina Central University, and now a licensed clinical social worker doing her best work regarding mental health. Tony, I've known you a long time. I can sing a song about it, but no <laughs> auto-tunes on this device. It's been a long time. Long time. You and I talked before about having a purposeful life. What brought you to your purpose of doing mental health help, especially during these daunting times? What brought me to mental health is probably what brought me into social work, which was um, my grandparents. And so I was raised in a small town here in North Carolina um, by my grandparents. And when I was in college doing an internship with senior services at that time, uh, I was providing services to older adults. So I saw the impact that I was making. I saw it so much that the information I was receiving from that agency, I was able to go back to my county and find the same services for my grandmother. Um, and so it was something like the grocery bag program. So when one doesn't want like the Meals on Wheels, they could have the grocery bag program. And I was able to sign her up for that. And I wouldn't have known that if I wasn't in the internship. And I said, oh yeah, this is my purpose. Social work is for me. I love helping other people. And so I did straight social work for about seven years until I realized I wanted to go back to school and get my graduate degree so I can become a therapist. So graduated um, with my MSW, and then I obtained my licensed clinical social work certification so now I'm licensed. There you go. There you go. So after you graduated from NC AT&T. North Carolina A&T State University. Oh mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. So after I'm graduated from NC AT&T um, <laughs> you, <laughs> what was your first step? Did you go right into human services as a social worker? Actually I didn't. I worked in Greensboro at American Express. American Express? American so you Express. got good credit. <laughs> <laughs> I worked there. <laughs> um, but you know what? That was a great stepping stone for me. What's um, up? So American Express, you know, is the credit card and it was a call center, but there, in order for you to succeed, you had to speak a certain way. Yeah. And you had to be on point. And if you speak a certain way, then you will receive incentives, which was money. And back then I was all about the money. So I'm like, okay, may I place you on hold for one or two minutes while I review that information for you? Is that your a- Thank you so much. Is that your AT&T voice? That was my American Express. I'm sorry. Yeah, American Express. And then I place them on hold for one or two minutes and then I get back on the phone with them and check in with them. And like, I was so on point that I may talk 10% of the company. Because I was all about the incentives and that money. So you had, you had like different voices, different accents. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, but 
I'm thankful for that job mm-hmm. because it also gave me a leadership position there. So um, when I applied to become a coach, which is actually like a facilitator mm-hmm. for training class, mm-hmm. the new hires, um, I was able to have the opportunity to coach um, other individuals on how they can become top 10% mm-hmm. in their um, in the company as well. Mm-hmm. And I was assigned to go to Texas to help open an American Express call center there. So a lot of experience, I appreciate it. Um, and then I left American Express and obtained a job at uh, working at a Head Start out in Eastern North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So I was there for a while. Um, I eventually started working at a nonprofit organization um, out in Eastern North Carolina. And then I went to social services. Okay. And in social services, I was working in child protective services. So I did that for like three and a half years. Mm. That was hard, yes. <laughs> challenging. I can only imagine. Um, well, no, I can't used to work there, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to a point where I was starting to become slightly immune to what I would see. Right. And I knew I had to go because no one should, should feel that way or do that. Um, it was just almost like I, I saw abuse so much. I saw neglect so much that it was like automatic for me. And I said, I, I just, I cannot continue to, to do this. So I was thankful to uh, receive a job offer for the state. And I worked in Butner, um, working with IDDD individuals, so intellectual um, disabled and development delay individuals. Um, out in Butner. I did that for two years and it was during that time frame where I noticed that a lot of the staff members would come in and visit me in the office and talk about the problems that was having and um, like on the unit with their supervisor work in general almost like I was EAP. but it also made me realize, like, I'm really good at this. You know, I should really be a therapist. Let me look more online about what I can do to become a therapist. And then when I saw I had to go back to school, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I've been out of school for, what is it, seven years at that time or so? And I, nine years, I was like, oh, my goodness, I got to go all the way back to school at this age. But I did it. So that's when I went to North Carolina Central University, mm-hmm. and I that was 2016, 2018. I graduated from there with my master's of social work. Congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> um, and from there, I just I was working at a shelter here in Durham. Um, I worked at a psych hospital. Mm. Uh, this is with my provisional license. I worked at. Um, uh, outpatient counseling center okay. and providing uh, outpatient therapy. Right. And then after that, that's when I was brought on to the federal government. Okay. Out of all those jobs, including American Express, which ones do you enjoy the most? Or which one do you think you might transition back to or, you know, yeah. One I enjoy the most. Well, I like my current job with the federal government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would too. Bad those benefits. But also, being the outpatient therapist okay. was great. Yeah, yeah. I true. I I saw the impact. Like I know I I make an impact on others, but to see someone 
come in and especially when they know they have changed and they telling you and you see it yourself mm. and they are stating like the ones who are ready I, I had a client that came in and she had her notebook she'll cross her legs she'll have her pen and a highlighter and she's ready to take down whatever I say to her if I provide her with homework she'll write that down if she need me she would she know how to contact me she'll call me and say hey I have a question about this you know can you help me with it she was always on time with her appointments like and she said that she could truly feel a difference with her coming to therapy every week every week and I noticed the difference as well um, it was someone else who was really struggling with um, depression and they said they noticed a different. I saw a different mood and affect when they would come into the session. So, so you mentioned that American Express, you got into coaching, you was coaching other people to their success. Um, in a recent episode of More Than Therapy, I spoke with Dr. Tracy Phillips, who actually moved from counseling to coaching and how mm -hmm. coaching was a very supplemental anchor actually surpassing in some ways her regular thing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I need so since you have such a niche for coaching, that might be your next multiple stream of income. Speak that to me. Speak it. I love it. I love <laughs> it. I want to know more about it. Yeah. I've, I've heard about it before and know a few individuals who are um, proceeding and coaching. Mm -hmm. And I, I've always been curious to know more about it. Right. So. Uh, good to know that you, you have a good connect. I mean, I have a connect. That's right. <laughs> Your people, my people. Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, you're a welcome, welcome addition to the field of mental health because we live in some very daunting times and we need more people that look like you and I in regards to these times. When we were coming up, you know, like you said, you were raised by your grandparents. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That happens a lot in our community because it's the village concept. But it seems like we stray so far from the village, 200 years, 400 years, only 140 years out of slavery, basically, 40, 50, 60 years out of the civil rights movement. It's almost like we're splintered, that we lost our village concept, that we lost our community, we lost our connectedness. We move away to different cities or different states. We break away from our nuclear families and only see them on special occasions or in my family, mostly at funerals. And we always make a promise to ourselves, we're gonna keep in touch, we're gonna stay more connected. Only to say the same thing again at the next funeral. Village, tell me about your village and tell me how we can reconnect to have this village that kept us together and kept us connected. And now we have <laughs> so much mental health issues and addictions and such reliance on resources in the community that are state funded and not community funded. My village growing up, um, the times was different. So uh, growing up, that was like the 80s and 90s for me. And so I couldn't step outside and somebody not know that I'm outside. So if I'm like leaving to go to the to the store um, down the street, somebody is calling my grandma to say, hey, I saw a little Tony walking down the street and say, you know where she going, right? I was like, yeah, I gave her a list. She coming back and stuff. So that was how village worked. Like you see somebody out and you genuinely checking in on them, making sure that they're good, making sure that they're safe. Um, 
my grandmother's house was the place that most of my friends came to play. And so everybody from around the corner in the neighborhood would come to my grandmother's house. We all out in the yard and stuff. And everybody knew that their child was safe because they was at Miss Agnes' house. I was like, oh, they, they down the street at Miss Agnes' house. I know they're good. But now you have to understand like parents are different. It's a different generation now. And so people look at things a little more, more protective, I would say, for their children. So it's more of, don't talk to my child or, or don't touch my child. Um, the village looked a little different, if there's even a village now. Um, you mentioned before about how some of us are just kind of moving away. And I mean, I've done that majority of my friends have done that. We don't stay in the same area anymore that we grew up. We went off to college, we obtained degrees and found a new place to raise our own children. And so we don't have that village concept anymore, I noticed. And so unfortunately with my daughter, she's the only child on my side. And so she doesn't have like her cousins that's down the street or around the corner or anything like that um, because we don't stay in my hometown. Um, and so I, I think it's just, this generation is different. It's a change. Um, and again, as I mentioned, more so of if someone saying you can't, you know, touch my child, you can't talk to my child. It's not that it's necessarily like a negative, it's a protective factor because things are different. I felt so much safer back in the 80s and 90s than I do now. And so I can be guilty of that as well, that please don't put your hands on my child, let me handle that because times are different, unfortunately. Purposeful life, purposeful life. Some people were born into this. Some people fall into it because of, I guess what they think, easier courses. <laughs> you don't have to take statistics or things like that. <laughs> um, or you don't have to do as many tests, just do more writing. What is your purpose regarding social work and mental health? If you had a soapbox, or if you have a soapbox, what might that mm -hmm. be? Really advocating for mental health, normalizing mental health in our black community. I think that is definitely my purpose. Uh, that is part of the reason why I'm a therapist. Um, that's the reason why I talk to all my friends and my family about mental health. I, I normalize it. I'm not sure how it was for you, but <laughs> like growing up, mental health, it, it wasn't even said as mental health. It was said as crazy, like that person is crazy. Uh, you might have a family member that's, you know, they'll state that that person is crazy. They receive a check. Uh, and it saddens me that we're, that some people are still looking at it that way, or we, as those who are in the black community are still looking at it in that way. And I'm trying so hard to, to really advocate for mental health and to really let people know that it's okay to say that you're not okay. It's okay for you to have routine checks with a therapist to make sure that you have someone that you can talk to about how you're feeling. Um, we have to overcome so many obstacles in life, day to day, day to day, just being a black person. And 
to keep all of that in and not being able to talk to the people that's close to you, such as like maybe your spouse um, or significant other, talking to family because you don't want them to see you as weak. You need to talk to somebody. And so I, I know that's my purpose. I know I want to do even more to do whatever I can to truly advocate for mental health. So you ask my friends, I'll talk about it to them. Um, I've had several friends who started seeing the therapist after I've talked to them so much about it. Um, and they'll come back to me and be like, Tony, I'm so glad that you did that, that you talked to me about it, that to know that it's okay for me to have a therapist. It's, it doesn't mean that I'm crazy. It doesn't mean that something's wrong. It's okay to, to speak to someone. Um, even my family is coming around to it as well. So they'll ask me questions about it. They'll ask, well, well, how would you find a therapist? Or what do I need to do? And I'm like, yes, I'm that person to help you with that. <laughs> I can gauge you in that direction. Mm -hmm. So um, that is truly, I know my purpose. So, so. Mental health system here, at least in North Carolina, other states I've been to recently, it's severely broken. I'm gonna ask you, why do you think it's broken and what can we do to fix it, in your opinion? In my opinion, let's see. It's broken because those who are making those decisions, the policies, the laws, they don't understand it. That's the reason why it's broken. And so the ones who are stating how many sessions you can have with mental health, even if you can have mental health on your insurance. People who are really making those laws, even with Medicaid and the changes that they're doing with Medicaid, they don't understand mental health. They don't understand the population that need mental health. They don't understand the population who need Medicaid. And so they just coming off and just making decisions without doing any research. I believe that that's the reason why it's broken. What yes. do you think? And I agree. The bureaucratic system that's over mental health, the parties that be that makes the rules and regulations, are flawed, might have the degrees, but don't have the experience. You know what I'm saying? Anybody can, not anybody, but everybody can test out and never have to work in the field. It might get a, a corporate job in which they don't know the ins and out, especially of community-based therapy. You don't know what they need or, or how they need it. And so you make these rules and these regulations and these statutes and definitions that the clinicians have to follow that literally make no sense at all. Just to, I don't know, it convolutes it, it messes it up, it doesn't create efficacy. It's really disturbing. And then you, then you want to put no, not enough money on it to make it work. You know what I'm saying? Like pulling money back or not funding it appropriately. So then you only get people that's half invested because they're not adequately being compensated. The system is broken for many reasons, but it's the wrong rules, the wrong definitions, the wrong designations in order for them to do the job. You know, only certain people can do certain things or build certain things. You know, like licensed clinical social workers can only, can build Medicare. Nobody else can build Medicare. That's bullshit. And you know it. You know what I'm saying? like shade. <laughs> because they have a strong lobby for But I've had people that I worked with, you know, for a year or two that had Medicaid, making great progress. And then boom, 
They got Medicare, I can no longer work with them. So they have to go to the LCSW, who may not have that skill set that I have to work with that population or that particular person. This has happened time and time again. The system is broken in that way. Yeah, I chose the wrong degree, obviously. I should have been an LCSW, but I didn't choose that route. I chose a different route. I should still be able to treat this person who needs mental health help, who is making great progress with me. And in that way, because only certain people can build certain things, it's also broken because of that. But how do we fix it? You know? So we just take that. We fix it by fixing the system. Let billing be across the board, whether it's a licensed clinical addiction specialist, whether it's a licensed clinical mental health counselor, whether it's an LMFT, a licensed family therapist, or a licensed clinical social worker. If you have the skill set to deal with that population despite insurance, compensate them appropriately, let them bill appropriately. But what else do you see as wrong? So what you said, we need more people like us who's making that decision. So we need people like us who's running for office. Right, right. You know, we need people like us who are in Congress, right. House of Representatives. Right. Um, it takes money though. We don't, it, it we don't have a lot of money like that. You know we don't have businesses funneling money to us because they're not, we're not fronting the causes that they care about. They care about, oh, how much money can we get to read realty? Build here and build there and take those, remove that protection of that forest and make that residential property or make that corporate property. And I'll give you $100,000 for your campaign to make that happen. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're not going to fund the cause of a black person who cares about their community, cares about the homeless, care about the mental health. So who's going to win? The person who had the most backing, who had the most commercials talking shit about you, right? <laughs> and that's why it's important for us to support. Right, right. You have to support but support. we're the one population that, you know, every now and then we'll come out in droves. But often enough, we don't support the elections that really count, which are the state and local elections. Yes, definitely local elections. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Indeed, indeed. Purpose driven life. When you wake up in the morning, how do you take care of yourself? What keeps you going regarding your purpose? Oh, sound like self care. Yes, um. yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, when I wake up in the morning, uh, I have the Bible verse for the Bible app. Okay. So I always make sure I look at that before I look at any other notifications on my phone. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I make sure I read that. I. What was it today? Do you remember? Oh, I don't. Ooh. I can pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yesterday it was talking about faith that mm-hmm. uh, spoke to me. Mm. greatly um and another day this week it was discussing anxiety mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Suffer from anxiety. i'm sure a lot of us does um and so with that i try my best to meditate depending mm-hmm. on how i get up you know i could tell when i had a chance to meditate throughout the day versus i didn't have a chance to and i could notice i have a definitely have a change in my mood um and so that's more of how I do it in the morning. I'll try my best not to rush because that will put you in a bad mood as well. Um, I try to plan my day out. And other ways of taking care of myself is just spending time with myself. So Mm -hmm. I have a child, I work full time, I have other part-time gigs um, that I do on the weekend. And I really have to just take time out to spend time with myself. So. Uh, just being able to do that and I mean it can be going to the spa, it can be a massage but it can be just 
sitting at home and reading a book that I've been trying to finish for a while. It's just <laughs> sitting at home and watching a movie by myself um, or some shows, because I was just cracking up at some show last night. Um, what is it? Uh, the First Sight, Married, Married at First Sight. Mm cracking up at these people, <laughs> but I, I enjoyed it. And so just really trying to figure out other ways to spend time with self, or yeah. things that you enjoy. Something else I enjoy, I love going to the park. I love walking around in the park, um, jogging. But another thing I noticed I like to do is just pulling up at the park and relaxing. So not even getting out my car, I would literally just roll the windows down and, <laughs> and sit at the park. And really just watch and enjoy it. Okay. Like yeah, not, yeah, you know, not yeah. dealing with my phone or anything, just truly relaxing. I laugh because I, I do that too. <laughs> do you? Almost like how we hear one of our favorite songs and we get home and you might be in the driveway or the right, garage or right, stuff right. and you don't want to get out of the car because then another banger come on mm-hmm. and another banger come on and you're just sitting outside looking crazy. Yeah, um, I so, that. Mine is the podcast. So yeah, I could do that. Uh, <laughs> And so it's, it's those small things that can be considered self-care. Right. So you don't necessarily have to spend so much money on, like, I have to get a massage because that's the only way I can take care of myself. Or I have to go on so many trips because that's the way I'm taking care of myself. It's, it's, you really have to think about it. What do you really enjoy doing? Right. And then do it. Indeed. Indeed. Um, I love spending time with my friends and I love music. So I was just talking to a friend of mine about we need to find out when's the next like live music, like band or something like that. And it doesn't even matter if I like the band or if I know the band. It's the fact that I'm outside right. sitting in a lawn chair um, and just enjoying being outside and listening to music. You mind sharing some of your self-care techniques? No, mind at all. Eating small cakes from this place called Small Cakes. They're the best cupcakes in the world. That's in Durham? It's in Durham, Cary, and uh, other places. That's small cakes. Okay. They're a little pricey, but they're worth the price. Mm-hmm. <laughs> place called Insomnia Cookies. Mm. Mm-hmm. One right down the street here on Main Street, Durham, North Carolina. Okay. So lovely. I love eating food. Movies. I enjoy movies. And now that the world is opening back up, going to the movie theater and enjoying movies in the theater. But I also enjoy watching movies on television, indie films and Disney Plus films and short series like Loki. I used to, before the pandemic, enjoy like game nights, you know, social outings with friends, playing games and stuff. Trying to get back to that. It's weird because the pandemic. True. Um, Concerts. I love live music as well. Love live music. Fortunately, I live in Durham, so you know we're right here by the D-Pad. Raleigh's right down the street, you know, whatever that thing's called. <laughs> <laughs> and we get some really good concerts in this area, at least prior to the pandemic. Hopefully, we can get back to that. And decent price points, not even that bad of a price I've seen some amazing artists. Janet Jackson, Mary J. Blige, Edison Pop, Rakim. Amazing Kevin Hart, little short ass. <laughs> Cat Williams, the other one. Country Wayne. I mean, I mean, it's, we get some amazing things down here. But it's like being being out, walking. You know what I'm saying? Not in the heat though. You know, like Boston. 
spring. <laughs> I used to like riding my bike until I had my bike accident. So I have to get another bike, but riding my bike on American Tobacco Truck. Okay. I enjoy doing that. Just feeling the breeze on my face. Reading, I like reading. Um, books like nonfiction, real life stories. You know but then also fiction, historical fiction. You know, history with a twist, right? <laughs> um, but mainly small cakes and insomnia cookies. <laughs> Um, I haven't been in a while, but the Durham Bulls game. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Love that. You like baseball? I did. Oh, I did. Okay. This is so smart. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think because I, <laughs> excuse me, have played softball okay. back in high school. Yeah, that yeah. like I, I, I enjoy baseball. I played um, baseball back in school too, but something about watching it. Just- yeah, yeah, and I think it's not even so much of what's going on in the game. Mm-hmm. It's actually being outside. Oh, like buying an expensive hot dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and drinking beer. <laughs> I'm an outside person, so being able to just relax yeah, outside yeah. and watch the game, or we'll try to watch the game. Mm-hmm. Like you said, having a beverage mm-hmm. or you know finding something to eat. Right. Yeah. Just as long that. as I live here, I've never been to baseball game. Yeah. Basketball. Okay. I think I'm gonna do it though. You no know, bucket list. Why not, right? Right. Sure. I mean, I lived here since 2009. I even, I've never even been to the mountains. Wow. Right. So I've never like, been to the desert. Sound like you need to add some stuff to your self care. <laughs> Maybe. Take care of the desert. It's pandemic though. It kind of threw things off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Feels what. You take care of the desert by going to Las Vegas. So we have a business right here in North Carolina. We have all the seasons. <laughs> we do. <laughs> and the mountains, not too far. I think it's what, five hours? From here? Three and a half. Three and a half? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's really not far. Right. Okay. Still. And it's warm right now, so you just. Oh, no, if I want to do it, I want to do it in the winter so I can ski. I used to be a skier. Yeah. So, uh, what's next? I mean, I know you're doing big things. I'm not going to say what they are, but what's next outside of that? Well, I am currently a clinician. Um, I work for the federal government and I'm also a clinician with Handmade Dreams. And so, um, Handmade Dreams. So, handmadedreams.com. You could go on there to look at my information, um, my bio. And then if you want to schedule a therapy session with me, you can do that as well. Um, I know that I will have my own practice. That's exactly what I want. Um, I want to be able to eventually you know, retire, but have my own practice. And I'm truly working on that now. So to establish it, to be able to have clients coming in, to be able to kind of gauge my own schedule would be awesome. <laughs> and so, uh, and I just know how much of an impact I can make. Rover recovery? Ooh, I like that. <laughs> nice ring. <laughs> um, but yes, definitely would like to have my own practice. Um, I would like to have a, a fund out in Davidson County where I'm from to be able to assist those who are homeless in that county and especially families. Uh, I had a close family member who experienced homelessness 
um, at a certain time in life. And that was challenging because as much as I wanted to help, I, I wasn't able to, they didn't want me to. And so just trying to be able to, to assist in a different way. So if it's more of providing therapy sessions to them, if it's more of providing funding for their first month rents into a new place to get them out of the shelter, that's what I want to do. And I want to do that with my brother. That's what's up, family. Indeed. You have a network of friends that are also in the field of mental health. Women seem to really, really be doing it. Really seem to be doing it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's really impressive some of your peers are doing this day and time, right? Tell us about that community, that women mental health movement that's going on. And these men need to get up on. For real, for real. <laughs> I was looking for a male therapist the other day. It was finding it hard to find one. It's very, very sad. Because I didn't want to work with the person because I worked with their mother. He needed a male therapist. I put the word out, you know, nobody bit, you know what I'm saying? You know, some people hit me up, you know, Caucasian therapists, but I really wanted him to have a therapist that looked like him, that could relate to his his issues, that he could speak his lingo, his language, and don't have to be deciphered. You know, the person would just get it, you know what I'm saying? He could just say one word, Floyd. And the person, the therapist, would just know everything right. without having to dig. What about Floyd? What does it have to do with Absolutely. you? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you just get it with the one word or a few words versus, you know, you having to break down the whole situation of why it impacted But I wasn't able to find mm-hmm. And that's sad. Yeah. But the women, ladies, they're doing it. They're out here. They are here. They are here. Why do you think there's such a divide? Why? I know, like, when I was in school, I was like one of the only males that graduated. <laughs> so, you know, when I'm on that line, graduating, you know, with a little thing on, oh, the ladies, the ladies. But at the same time, I was like, damn, the dudes, the dudes, where they at, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to this party by myself with all these ladies. <laughs> um, I think women are more open to therapy, definitely. And, and we're women, we're, that we have that nurturing uh, characteristic about ourselves. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, but we do need more men, black men to be therapists. Uh, because as you stated that, when someone mentioned needing a male therapist, I think of you, and there's one other person that I'm aware of. So it is kind of hard to figure out, you know, the men who actually want to do it, want to open up and say, okay, well, I'll try this therapy thing and mm-hmm. we see. Of course, they want somebody who looks like them. And that tends to be the challenge. Um, you know, it's a it's a field where females are dominant in at this point. And, um, but we will absolutely support men into this field. But it's great to have that community uh, because we support each other mm-hmm. uh, as amongst females. And so yeah. we are definitely 
asking other people, like if I'm not able to see someone, hey, there are several um, of my friends who are therapists and I could put it out there like in a group chat or so and say, hey, I have this particular client. I'm unfortunately not able to see this person. Can one of y'all, you know, take the referral? So so we are helping to build each other up at the same time. Because we know that a lot of uh, females um, even with, in my experience, they want somebody who looks like them. Mm-hmm. I've had clients come to the office for the first time and say, you know, I left online at this particular agency and I pointed you out because you look like me. And so I feel as though when I say certain things, as you just said, stated, when I say certain things, they would truly you know, she would understand you. Tony, she would understand exactly what I mean when I say this. And right. so um, I think that's that's the biggest thing. Right. Uh, right. You know, uh, and we definitely try to build each other up mm-hmm. as much as we can. Right. Uh, there's so much work to be done in the mental health field, especially in our black community, that th- there's plenty of opportunity. We're not trying to tear anybody down. There's so much opportunity. You know, if everybody wanna open their own practice, then mm-hmm. everyone should open their own practice because there's plenty of people mm-hmm. who will see right. therapy. Right. Absolutely. Indeed. Any final words? Well, not final, any additional words? Any additional words. Um, I think you touched on a lot of things. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned the village concept and how that has changed. Uh, Some people don't kind of think about it or realize it. And now that you have brought it to light, that's more of a, I could see that being a talking point. Like, oh, how am I raising my child? Oh, it is different than how I raised, you know, how I was raised. and personally, I'm thinking that I'm raising my own child in a better way, better lifestyle type thing. But you actually have, you know, thinking a little more of, I know when she wants to see her cousin, when we're going out to that, uh, to my hometown, it's like, oh, I want to go because I want to see all my cousins. I want to see, you know, friends out mm-hmm. there and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, she, she really don't get that that village concept until I go to my hometown and then it's all the aunts and the grandparents and everybody that's there. Um, So I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned about the the shortage of black men being therapists and and how much we as black women support you and whatever we can do to assist and to promote, promote the ones that are there, we'll definitely do it. Um, and now I love talking about self-care. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> giving me the opportunity to take some of my self-care and address that. And the reason why it's so important, I appreciate that. For sure, for sure. Any social links or anything you want to give out so people can get in contact with you? Absolutely. My Instagram page is slimtony82. Uh, you can find me also on Facebook as Tony Agnew Rover. You can find me on the website, uh, handmadedreams.com. Uh, you click on therapy and then you'll see my name and picture. You click on that and you can schedule an appointment with me. Mm-hmm. Fancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right. And that concludes another episode of More Than Therapy with today's special guest. Tony Agnew Rover. 
Be well, be great. And if you can't be great, be as good as you can be. And reach out and touch someone. Reach out to your strong friends, because honestly, sometimes they have the weight of the world on their shoulders. And because people think they're strong, they don't reach out to them. Sometimes they need a word of encouragement and motivation as well. They need to be checked in on as well. So you think about that strong friend, that friend you think that has it all together. And you reach out to them and you, you holler at them and you see how they're doing. You ask them how they're doing. And when they negate it and they say they're doing good and don't really go into details, probe a little bit more. Get up underneath the engine, see what's what. And that concludes another episode of More Than Therapy. Today, we have my longtime compadre, Tony Agnew, rover. Row, row, row your boat. <laughs> Gently down the stream. Merrily, merrily, merrily. <laughs> Life is but a dream. <laughs> oh, damn it. Oh, you should have kept that. It was cute. <laughs> the rate that we're going it's gonna hurt in the morning 